15. The Alpha The Intercept was one of several aggressive scenario responses already rehearsed by the tall girl, Master Valorius and Torsten. Here, the only significant model variant was the presence of two, rather than one, slaver vessels being in pursuit of the civilian transport. Once we have their ships, we destroy the spare and all its crew, said the tall girl. Are you serious? asked Torsten. A ship and two crews? Just like that? No prisoners, said the tall girl. We talked about that. Think of these rules of engagement as us learning and then fluently deploying a barbarous foreign language. Theirs. Torsten nodded and pulled on the lightweight tactical headset that engines had made for him, as the Valkyrie would be serving on auto for the mission. Because they would be entering a potentially vacuum-vulnerable ship space, short-range ballistic weapons had also been printed. These sack guns went to the Valkyrie, the tall girl and the teacher bird suit, which would also be on auto, flanking their party. Master Valorius had a short, black-bladed Chinese sword. Torsten himself would be unarmed, as someone needed to carry the shaped explosive frames for penetrating the slaver ship's command deck. Sif, teacher bird, asked Torsten, are you ready? Ready, said Sif from the flight deck, where they intended to make their jump. The mission plan was for White Winter Raven, piloted by the Tall Drone and Lysha, to activate explosives, essentially massive optical yield fireworks, that would simulate a catastrophic engine breach on the civilian craft, while the remotes simultaneously blinded the slaver craft as if by the explosion's effects. White Winter Raven would then intercept the civilian craft. Sif and the teacher bird would jump in and take any passengers to safety on White Winter Raven. Then the tall girl's strike team would replace the rescued civilians, kill the craft's engines and wait for the slavers to regain their sensor functions and then, no doubt gleefully horn in on what appeared to be a fantastically lucky break. Those they had pursued would now be in their hands and helpless. Torsten stood ready at the cargo bay's jump ramp with the tall girl, the battle suits and Master Valorius. He was wearing the teacher bird suit for the transfer to the civilian craft and would then cut it loose for the second, far more dangerous stage of their mission which would be their capture by the slavers. For a while, no one spoke. Finally, Sif's voice cut through. Okay, we've made the removal. Removal? asked Torsten. Yes, there was only one passenger on the civilian vessel, and he's unfortunately dead. It looks like the cause was dehydration related to untreated cholera. Not a decoy? asked Torsten. No, but he was booby-trapped. I think that was for the Sons of Sons. The device was simple enough and the teacher bird neutralised it. Sif, wait, said the teacher bird. I thought you did that. Oh, hang on. Hey, bird, no, you said you'd cut that out, you two, said the tall girl. No jokes now. Tool drone, are we ready to transfer? Three seconds. Go. 
The jump door swung open and Torsten was lifted off his feet as the battlesuits powered into a brief, blindingly cold swing through the vacuum. The Valkyrie held Master Valoris by the scruff of his unprotected neck, his eyes wide open and the sword raised in one hand as they shot through the frozen dark. Then they were in the civilian ship, its own cargo doors closing. A decompression field was shimmering around them as the teacher bird's suit unfolded from around Torsten, who noticed that Master Valorius was already moving forward with the tall girl and the Valkyrie. Torsten held the explosives packed tightly and followed them. White Winter Raven is back out of target proximity, reported Lysha. Good luck. Torsten asked, is there any chance that the slavers saw us? No, they're pretty much messed up for now. The tool drone thinks that it'll be a few minutes for them to reorientate themselves. Then they'll be onto you like a pack of rabid dogs. I always like to see that, said the tall girl. When they think like dogs, they die a dog's death. Torsten was in the civilian craft's flight deck now. It was a small, ill-lit, grimy space with basic instruments that seemed to have parts missing. This cabin gave Torsten the horrors. The pilot's seat was surrounded by a few wretched-looking ration packs and was stained by vomit and diarrhoea. After all the talk and planning, they were actually in slave space now, with all the undertow of flesh-crawling human tragedy of what slave space means. Listen up, everyone, said the tall girl. I just fused the main engines and fired retros to make it look like a safety protocol. We'll be losing velocity pretty fast. Tool drone of a secondary disruption packages in place. We control their light and air. Also, the white winter raven guns are locked. Good. If we get wiped out, they both go down, with a little extra something for the rescue crews. Secondary munitions prepped. Gods, this was going fast, thought Torsten. They're on to you, said Lysha. Banded radiation from slaver ship Alpha is most likely a capture field, and they're not messing about. Physical contact in three seconds. The tall girl cut the link. Then she told Torsten and the others, OK, squad, final gear check. Torsten toggled his headset's night vision on and off. Then he made sure that the shaped charge was still correctly aligned to its frame. Laser sighting beams briefly darted around from the teacher bird and the battlesuits. Then Master Valorius stood away from the group and spanned the short sword in his left hand so it became a blur as the blade's blackness shimmered to grey. Then he darted his left hand towards the disc of razor-edged motion and, astonishingly, grabbed at a second blade that only he could see whirling within the blur. He snatched and pulled back, so when Master Valoris raised both identical swords and crouched back on one heel, he now had two. How did you do that? asked Torsten. Master Valorius shrugged. If we knew that, then there would be no more wars. Torsten frowned. Is that philosophy a magic trick? Skill, luck, weird tech, or sheer dumb idiocy? He asked. A little of all, my friend. 
You shall see, the Master Valorius added. Just don't call it justice. The battle started in darkness. The White Winter Raven team were now within the Sons of Suns ship, which had indeed used a capture field to haul the apparently stricken civilian vessel on board. Torsten's headset's optical enhancement module showed him the close, grainy, emerald-shaded images of the tall girl, the Valkyrie, and the teacher bird's suits' backs as they crouched, waiting for the slavers to blow open the civilian ship's cargo door. For several long minutes, it has seemed a definite possibility that the White Winter Raven's team would remain sealed in here to be taken back to a slaver base and dealt with at leisure. But as the tall girl and Torsten had planned for, the slavers could not restrain themselves. The chase had been fine sport and now Providence had apparently intervened by handing the slavers their prey. Their real fun was only just about to begin. Clang. Clang. Two small charges were magnetically attached to the side of the civilian ship's cargo doors. The tall girl gave the others a thumbs up. Waiting. Waiting. Torsten felt cold sweat rise between his shoulders. He and Master Valoris were crouched behind the tall girl and the two battlesuits which had arranged themselves as a low scattering of apparently random machinery. The tall girl had said that this was not a very sophisticated deception strategy, but those were the ones that often worked the best. The slavers would not see them. Then Torsten heard the muffled sound of two pops and the cargo door collapsed away with a clang. Lysha, now, whispered the tall girl. Back on White Winter Raven, Lysha instructed the drone to cut off the power to all the lights, primary and emergency, on the slaver ship. But the slaver ship's remote switching mechanisms were slow and delayed the blackout, allowing Torsten a glimpse of the unsuspecting Sons of Sons. They stood as fifteen heavy-set men in surprisingly ornate black military uniforms. Some were armed with long guns, while others brandished shock truncheons and spiked iron cudgels. Human-sized dungeon cages were scattered amongst the slavers, as well as a gurney on which was stacked both iron shackles and long gas canisters. The slavers had come prepared, and their initial look was one of disappointment. Where was everyone? Would they now have to winkle out their prey? Following the tall girl's plan, Torsten raised himself over the crouching Valkyrie's shoulder and lobbed a stun grenade into the slaver group. He then ducked back down as the lights blacked out, the force of the grenade's explosion easily shielded by the Valkyrie. The blackout delay had been enough time for the tall girl, the Valkyrie and the teacher bird suit to target at least half of the slavers who, now blinded by sudden darkness and reeling from the grenade's acoustic shockwave, fell in close-range bursts of bio-corrosive sack shot. 
The slavers' torsos and heads missed it as their comrades swung and shot blindly in the new hot dark that Torsten, who was now running forward carrying the explosives, saw as blurs of green and flashes of high-energy white. Master Valorius used both swords to slice at heads and limbs as he spun and leapt ahead. Torsten kept himself between the tall girl and the teacher bird's suit who flanked the assault team, methodically using its sack gun to decapitate the wounded barely before they were given the chance to scream. The attack was so fast and aggressive that even after the first death cry, one slaver was caught in casual conversation, his few words and Norse accent sounding very clear to Torsten before the Valkyrie stepped up and took the slaver's life. Then a corridor. This was worse for Torsten because of the cramped conditions. He stumbled a couple of times over fallen slavers who were now presenting a more concerted defence. But these stalwarts were few as most of the slaver crew had massed to overrun the civilian transport. While Master Valoris and the teacher bird's suit worked to clear the cabins, Torsten found himself with the tall girl and the Valkyrie in front of the heavy locked door to the slaver ship's flight deck. Okay, skipper said the tall girl, then raised one hand as Master Valorius and the teacher bird's suit rejoined them. The vessel is secured up to here. We can proceed with the shaped charges. Torsten nodded. He was shaking a little and fumbled with the charges' telescopic rods, but managed to keep himself together long enough to adjust them for each of the lengths of the door's edges. His headset image was too blurry for close work like this, but the bulkhead seemed of a standard design and he fitted the munitions easily enough. Regroup for kinetic entry, ordered the tall girl. Lysha, here. Return power to the ship in five seconds. Will do. Thank you. Torsten crouched with the munitions remote trigger as the tall girl counted down. Now. The door blew away as the ship's lights flashed on and the Valkyrie leapt straight into a hail of ballistic fire. Then the shooting abruptly stopped. As he ran forward behind the rest, Torsten, still disorientated by the sudden blaze of artificial light, tripped on a triangular segment of the collapsed blast door and was yanked to his feet by the teacher bird's suit. Once more, catching up with the others, he saw that the slaver's flight deck was another grimy workspace. But unlike on the civilian ship, this time the pilot was alive. A short gun lay smashed and bloodied at his feet and the man's right hand appeared injured. This slaver was alone and yet he had the presence of ten of his comrades. Little older than Torsten, he strained towards the assault team. They outnumbered him and he did not care. The young slaver's face was red and frozen in an expression of ferocity and hatred. With his sweat-spiked hair, he looked like a carved idol. What family? asked the tall girl. Aislin! The slaver replied in a loud, clear voice, and the tall girl nodded. Then she glanced to Master Valorius, who was flicking through a mess of ragged documents pulled from a desk. He's telling the truth, said Master Valorius as he stepped 
toward the slaver. The tall girl told the slaver, Make your peace. First, I challenge that one. The slaver roared, pointing straight at Torsten. Barbarian, he is our skipper, said the tall girl. Choose again. The young slaver snarled. You are a lanky whore, barely worth my gaze. So what about the little one? The slaver pointed to Master Valorius. I see that he has lost his swords. Maybe there's a reason for that, suggested Master Valorius. The slaver moved his lips to snarl out a reply, but his mouth slackened as his upper body was already flopping away, double-cleaved from above his hips on neatly quarterized cross-cuts. The slaver's head toppled from view as his sectioned corpse first slid, then fell apart. Master Valorius stepped forward and caught up his blades before, freed from their work of flesh, they clattered to the deck. Then he reached down and wiped his swords on a bunched and miraculously unbloodied section of the dead slaver's fine linen shirt. The tall girl wanted the flight deck to herself to conduct a fast and thorough forensic examination of its contents, including the slaver's corpse. Very little was known about the Sons of Sons, and here there were machines, documents and tissue samples that would be extremely valuable in preparing for future confrontations. Although he was unharmed, Torsten was still in a state of physical shock from the attack and said, we must be the first killers to investigate their own murder scene. Welcome to the military, said the tall girl. So Torsten and Master Valorius returned to the cargo deck and the captured civilian vessel. Here, Torsten looked around at the slaver corpses and saw their ornate black uniforms and the crude weapons and cages that they had brought. It all looked like a tableau depicting a half-forgotten war from a long-gone and bitter historical time period. But just an hour ago, these men had been alive and ready to use those clubs and gas. Torsten wanted to ask about the slavers' plans for First Earth, but Master Valorius was already talking into a wrist device. White Winter Raven, he said. I am here, Master Valorius. White Winter Raven, please transfer your full debt repayment to the wallet that we discussed. Master Valorius, first I must double-check some details. Certainly. The man that you just executed was an Aislin. Yes, one of the princes, I believe. And yet... Master Valorius, you now suggest that I make my payment to the Dowell family. That is correct, White Winter Raven. In all particulars, does that satisfy your honour, White Winter Raven? Dahl are sons of sons, as good as any other. So yes, Master Valorius, I am satisfied. Transferring now. Then White Winter Raven said, It is done, and broke contact.
Torsten glanced over at the civilian vessel. It was a long, grimy box and might yet be serviceable. The deck stank of blood and worse, and Torsten would not meet the eyes of the scattered and crumpled dead. He needed to get away from this killing floor. Torsten thought, how did all of me come to all of this? Put those swords down, now. The tall girl was in the chamber with the Valkyrie. Between them they held three guns trained on Master Valorius. Master Valorius had been examining a gas canister. At the tall girl's order, he looked up and then slowly placed his swords on the deck, stepping back to raise his hands. His expression was blank. The tall girl and Torsten exchanged glances. Back off, Skipper. She said to him quietly, I've got a few questions for this one. Master Valorius said nothing. Because I heard all the business with the ship, said the tall girl. Do you think I'd let you be running around without a spy feed? And you just directed the entirety of the funds to these bastards' main rivals. Correct, said Master Valorius. Are you working for the Dals? No. Then prove it. Master Valorius nodded. To prove that I am not working with the Dals or any others of these people, check carrier drone activity from White Winter Raven. This ship, an Aislin vessel, is about to receive a weapons package that will make these Aislins the new regional superpower. What in twenty hells are you doing? Torsten asked Master Valorius. I'm doing what we already started here, by other means. Explain that to us, said the tall girl. Master Valorius replied, The ship just sent all those funds to the Dals. When that money hits, and the other families find out about it, then there will be trouble. But that is not enough. No, asked the tall girl the aim on her sack gun never wavering. No, said Master Valorius. There'll be assassinations, kidnapping, abuse reels, the usual acting out. But I want their destruction to be absolute. So I made a munitions package, ready for the Aislins to do with as they please. What munitions package? asked Torsten. I believe that you have already found it, Skipper, said Master Valorius. We're giving slavers money and a bomb? The weapon will complete the work the extra funds started, said Master Valorius. The package cannot be deconstructed or repurposed for anything but a single-use deployment, enough to take out a substantial portion of a world, possibly more. The Aislins will use it against the Dals, and in the carnage, the Johns will make a power grab. I fully expect the total annihilation of the Sons of Sons to follow, mostly by their own hand. Mostly? asked Torsten. Who else is involved? I have a group waiting for me, replied Master Valorius. Some old fighters that survived the Rari and many younger captives. 
I have support and help in this, just as I had a little help on your ship. But every encoding is an erasure, said Torsten, so you won't tell me who. Master Valorius nodded. I won't be drawn on names. And in a way, Torsten was glad of that. He noticed the tall girl checking media from a small screen that the Valkyrie held up with one robot hand, while the other hand expanded to a grossly inhuman form to maintain the aim of her two sack guns at Master Valorius's head. The bomb checks out, said the tall girl, lowering her weapon. Master Valorius, I believe you. Master Valorius nodded, but he did not pick up his swords that had been too long away from his touch and were already shimmering to dust. May I? he asked the tall girl. Of course. Master Valorius crouched down and took out an envelope and a stiff piece of card from his pocket. As Torsten watched, the swords were probably a nanoform. Finally, there was something here that he understood. Master Valorius carefully used the card to scoop up the black dust and then tap it into the envelope. When he had gathered up all that he could, Master Valorius slid the card into the half-full envelope and put it back into his pocket. All the while his hand had been shaking and that surprised Torsten. Till the next time, asked Torsten, and Master Valorius smiled. As good for peace as war. He patted the pocket. We all need to go, said the tall girl, looking around the dead slavers. White Winter Raven will be here for us soon, so we can get away from this stink. Till then, Master Valorius, what about you? What are your plans? I will join my enslaved family at the John's stronghold. It's been twenty years. The second Rari attack is imminent. That's when the inbred, cowardly sons really turn the screw and destroy any hope. Torsten said, after Jacaranda, maybe that won't happen now. Either way, replied Master Valorius, I am about to happen. There was a pause then. Perhaps this was the historical changing point at which the shape-shifting, near-charlatan charisma of Master Valorius harmonised with the solidity of his honour, courage and force of will. The tall girl seemed to be thinking this over. Then she made her decision. I hope that your family are still alive and well, said the tall girl, offering Master Valorius her hand. We never guessed any of this, said Torsten, doing the same. Master Valorius smiled at the tall girl and Torsten. Why should either of you have known? What happens out here in the phantom latitudes has always been a dark and private matter. But I thank you for your hospitality and assistance. I'll be going on alone now. Like I said, we'll exploit war amongst the Sons of Sons to lead the rebellion against their rule of slavery. Me, I'll probably become judge, jury and executioner. You might want to be a long way away before we get to that part.
Master Valorius then put his hand on Torsten's shoulder. Skipper, I believe you took me for a philosopher. Then hear me now. For years I wandered the high verticals awaiting the perfect ship, and then I found her and you all bundled up with it. If I have any wisdom at all, then it is to celebrate the good fortune of our meeting. Master Valorius then crouched down to look at the runic tattoos on a dead slaver's neck, and when he spoke, neither the Torgal or Torsten was sure if he was reciting the text or imparting his own thoughts. He said, The wanderings of a fool are the map of a dream, and this fool's dream is to visit carnage upon his enemies. The tall girl looked down at the slaver and said, Well, you made a pretty decent start there. And the second ship? asked Torsten. It is still crippled and blind. Master Valorius said, Leave the occupants to me and one of the battle suits, if I may take its lend for an hour or two. From what was inked on that boy, I have a feeling I know exactly who's on board that other ship. And today, I think you've both worked enough. Master Valorius, said Torsten, try not to match their cruelty. Master Valorius nodded and quietly said, then you must pray for me. Pausing, he added, Skipper, I saw you watch me putting away the black powder that makes these swords. And you are right. I am not sure that I got it all. Master Valorius looked around the sliced bodies and unnatural poses of the carnage-strewn deck. We all of us leave a little behind. Torsten returned to White Winter Raven and washed himself. Despite his relatively short time aboard the civilian transport and slaver vessel, White Winter Raven detected contamination from lice. Torsten spent a long time under the astringent shower spray and allowed tiny medical drones to take his blood and prepare flash inoculations. Despite the unreality of the headset images, the attack on the slavers was beginning to gnaw at him. Those had only been a few men and a team of battlesuits and highly trained operators, plus himself, had taken them by surprise. What chance did Master Valorius have against three cartels who by now could be suspecting that their clannish affairs were being overtaken by outside forces? Sif sat down by the shower. Torsten, that was brutal. What are you thinking now? Torsten told her, I'm worried that Master Valorius will not succeed alone against the Sons of Sons. Sif, should we stay here and help him? She replied, I asked him that. He said that we have already helped him enough to start and then make good his revolt. Sif, how did we help, really? He said that we gave him courage, plus a lot of money and a gigantic bomb. Yes, Torsten, but I speak of the heart with which he must pursue his fight, 
and we strengthened it. Maybe just a friendly respite will do that. I think that we should take Master Valoris at his word and move on. We don't know what other forces he has prepared. I see. He would not tell us about them in case we got caught. That's what I believe, Torsten. He also seems like a person who eventually always gets what he wants. If he'd wanted us, we'd know. Siv, who do you think helped him with the H-Pulse bomb? Not me, Torsten. That was incredibly irresponsible. The teacher bird, then? No, and not the tour girl or Kesh, obviously. The ship, then? Yes, Torsten. It also needed a way to capture and eliminate that last stray Rari bullet. You'd never find peace with it still around. And Torsten, she needs you to keep us all together. I'm guessing that she also made some money. <laughs> you know your ship so well, laughed Sif. I checked White Winter Raven's wallet. Despite paying the Sons of Sons, she's now richer than ever. The first instalment on eliminating a cartel will do that. After all, what did the tall girl say about First Earth wanting these people destroyed? Torsten shook his head. Fear and malice on all sides. Worlds within worlds within worlds. And all joined my membranes of corruption. And who knows how long it'll last? Asked Sif. But what will all this do to your heart, Torsten? He shrugged and then he tapped at the X-shaped scar on his chest. Oh gods, I forgot, said Sif. I did offer a prayer to the universe on your behalf. The Valkyrie, burnt and blood-splattered, but otherwise intact, returned from the second slaver ship in less than two hours. A little longer than Master Valorius had promised, but still suggestive of a brutal contact. The tall girl met the Valkyrie in the cargo bay. She immediately accessed the ship's memory files, then deleted all records of whatever it had just done or witnessed. We should not be able to wipe this, the tall girl told Torsten, but there's an AI workaround the Colour Army uses. It comes in handy, legal exposure being what it is. War crimes? asked Torsten, imagining the rage and blades of Master Valoris unleashed on more slavers. The tall girl said, Strictly speaking, no, not war crimes. Not if the suit was under civilian control. But now we'll never know. She tapped the Valkyrie. Done. What's the situation, Lysha? Torsten asked the flight deck. The second ship has just ejected about twenty corpses. They look like slavers. Twenty? The full complement is twenty-one. So he's probably keeping one alive, said Torsten. Probably the Alpha. We ought to get out of here. Fast. Course? asked Lysha. The tall girl glanced over to Torsten. He said, check for Rari activity, then tell the tall drone, set for sunset. Will do, Skipper, said Lysha, and signed off.
This new course sounds a little mysterious, said the tall girl. It'll do for now, said Torsten. By the way, thank you for today. That was very impressive work. We'll drink to it at family meal. The tall girl nodded. And get really fucked up later on. Those swords. But, Felicia, was it right what we did? Skipper, today we executed an extraction plan against an overwhelming force and we prevailed. We all did our jobs and lived up to our mission objectives with no losses or injury on our team. The plan was good because we made it good. That should be right enough. Yes, said Torsten. And thank you again. We'll talk and celebrate later. Indeed we shall, Skipper. Now, how's the shower water? White Winter Raven is getting a little stingy there. There's plenty of water, Felicia. Take all the water you want. The tall girl offered a salute and walked off, leaving Torsten alone. Almost. Wiping at its armour, the Valkyrie suit sat down next to the random items that Master Valoris had used to illustrate the Sons of Sons cartel networks. Now it was all just junk, shoved against a bulkhead, and Torsten looked at the apparently weary and unregarded suit, patting with a rag at the blood on her arms, and again, Torsten felt something uneasy in a way that he could not describe. This is wrong. Someone else is here. Not the tall girl doing her job. Not the silent Valkyrie. Something else is happening. Torsten wanted to see Sif again, but she was now in the medical bay, cleaning the body of an unidentified civilian that they brought aboard for eventual burial. And she was not to be disturbed. Despite her mission banter with the teacher bird, Torsten knew that Sif would have taken the violence of the day's events and much of the attendant glee very badly and would now be brooding on it. Maybe it reminded her of the grim work she'd had to do as a very young girl back on her island. But first there was a meeting that was inevitable and so he walked down and away from the human voices of the ship. Even as Thimble Winter had turned to White Winter Raven, engines remained engines. It was a green metal-walled box that buzzed and roiled with the malevolent forces that crudely manipulated the space-time whiptides of the Mind Ocean. Torsten walked in and sat down by the containment field and asked the air, So, White Winter Raven... How does it feel to at last be an honest and debt-free ship? My owner's money is going to destroy the sons of sons, isn't it? Asked the ancient woman's ship's voice that came from nowhere. That's the plan, said Torsten. I think Alva Halfrom would appreciate that. The sons of sons did murder him, said Torsten. Skipper, you did well.
In all honesty, I had an idea that you might need to be replaced. I even brought someone in for that. Lysha asked Torsten. I shall mention no names, said the ship. Torsten shrugged. For whatever reason that she's here, Lysha is shaping up to be a good navigator. She's smart and very quick. Lysha, said the ship. From her scandalous life story, navigation in its broadest sense does seem a consistent theme. For all the tales of extreme material abundance, she comes from a strangely harsh and dangerous realm of human society. Scandalous, laughed Torsten. You are a Viking fast light dragon who can be scandalised. The ship said this. Torsten, as skipper and ship, as verb and noun, if you will, you and I are both most effective as vessels for the passions of others. And so, as the senior parties here, we are allowed to take our entertainment. Yes, smiled Torsten. Yes, I suppose we can. The ship continued. Because we must always lead lives of probity and set a very fine example. Oh, indeed we must, said Torsten, who then scooted over on his knees to retrieve a vodka bottle from one of the workshop storage units. He returned and made himself comfortable against the containment field. White Winter Raven? Yes, Torsten. I'd like to hear the music that you were listening to. The winding, discordant orchestral wash suggesting ice rivers and night frost rose up around Torsten and he drank deeply of both this sound world and the vodka. Then he closed his eyes. I will never be master of White Winter Raven, will I? No, Torsten, because she has gone. As a legal entity, that ship no longer exists. And you probably didn't want your name associated with her anyway. Once more, I am Thimble Winter. Good. Sif will probably like that. Ship, I worry about her. Yes, she is troubled. Why? Sif feels like there's more going on than we know about. It's just a sense. Well, I have it too, Torsten. In many ways, I am the youngest of you all. Well, me and my estranged sister the Valkyrie, but since a few days after we left Jacaranda, I have not been easy with myself. You mean the Rari? asked Torsten. Behind that, said the ship, go deeper. The speckled path, suggested Torsten. Yes, 
said the ship. Perhaps it is that. Torsten, do you know what is really strange and terrifying? Tell me, Thimblewinter. I'm glad to have you back, by the way. And I'm very happy to be here, Torsten. But what is really strange and terrifying is nature itself. It has broken the minds of so many. Don't worry, ship. You are as much a part of nature as any old tree, an oak even. An oak, said the ship. We were once made of oak, you know. But I doubt their Viking skippers would talk to them. Are you completely out of your mind? Laughed Torsten. Of course they talk to their ships. Her music rose then, forming a sudden almost melody. Torsten felt a shiver pass through him, as if Thimble Winter was stroking his brow. Torsten took another sip of the vodka and closed his eyes on what intoxicated in this strong, bright taste he saw as the low edge of a crimson sky late on a winter's day. It was a sky that contained all the skies of all the worlds and was stretched all the worlds across, cold and burning and right. <laughs> 